once I started doing that, you know, targeted marketing to them, those, those things started resonating in that first call. Right. So they started to say like, look, you know, the fact that you are communicating to me weekly or you're building me this custom dashboard, you're taking consideration all the steps of my buyer journey, whatever that data point was, that's what I kept hearing more and more. This is season two of the Double Your Freelancing podcast. And in this season, we're covering ways that you can use automation and personalization to make your marketing more relevant to prospective clients. Today's episode features Jason Resnick, an e-commerce consultant and the founder of Feast. Now, to be fully frank with you, this episode deviates a bit from the others in this season. So Jason and I had previously planned to talk about automation and only automation But we kind of went down the rabbit hole of customer personas, segmentation, and personalization. While automation lets you deliver automated messages at scale to lots of people, personalization helps you tailor these messages to be more relevant to the people reading them. So in this episode, you're going to learn how Jason figured out who his clients were and what they wanted from him, and then how he used this data to develop customer personas and ultimately personalize the way that he communicates with his customers. This season is sponsored by Drip. So if the idea of personalized automation is making a lot of sense to you, and over the last few episodes, you've realized that there's a lot of things that you could be doing to not only better automate your own business, but maybe even offer it to your clients, automation to your clients. Well, if that's you, if you're thinking there's so much I could be doing that I'm not doing yet, and I should, (laughs) then I'd encourage you to go over to wfreelancing.com slash drip and get started with a free Drip account for up to 100 leads. And once you get set up, I'd encourage you to reach out to me, Brennan at WFreelancing.com, and just tell me a bit about what you're doing with Drip. So is it the maybe you're setting something up like what Greg did with advanced webinar automations? Or maybe you're doing something more like uh, Franz did in the first episode with assessments. Whatever it is, I want to hear from you. So that's Brennan at WFreelancing.com and only after you've signed up for Drip. So WFreelancing.com slash Drip. All right, here is Jason. All right, I want to welcome to the show Jason Resnick. Jason is uh, over at Res.com where he does two things, really. Uh, One of which he has a program called uh, Feast, right? Uh, It's Live the Feast podcast. Feast is the program, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, which helps freelancers basically better systematize and better sustain their businesses. But he also uh, is a consultant, wouldn't you know? And he, um, so he kind of serves in a way two different markets. Uh, but before we get too deep into Jason's backstory and uh, really just a lot of the, the details, um, as you know, this season is all about automation. Um, and this time, we're going to be talking with Jason about not only automation on the back end, but also how he's leveraged personalization to increase his overall conversions, not just for his clients, but also for himself. So Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brendan. So let's uh, tell us a bit about kind of backstory. So tell us a bit about what got you started freelancing, um, where Feast and everything else came from, and uh, then we can start digging into the the fun 
details <laughs> about all things automation and personalization? Sure. Uh, in a nutshell, um, you know, I, I started freelancing very, very young <laughs> alongside, you know, retail gigs, college, that kind of stuff. Um, I always knew that I was going to be working for myself, uh, really because I wanted to be able to be in control of my time, not have somebody else control my time. Yep. And so, you know, I got into web development while I was in college. And for me, that was a skill set. I mean, it was the mid to late 90s, right? And right. a lot of businesses saw that as like a nice to have. It was like a pool in your backyard, right? Like it's not, it wasn't necessary at that point in time. But if you had one, then you were above, head and shoulders above everybody else that was kind of in your space. So mm-hmm. um, I leveraged that skill just to be able to write HTML and JavaScript and you know even Java code at that time um, to be able to do a side hustle, right? Um, and that was kind of my avenue to being able to build an own, my own business. And, um, you know, I worked in design agencies, I worked in fortune 100 companies, um, you know, just basically all building up my skill set, learning business. I mean, that was a big thing for me. Um, having the skill set is one thing, but to be able to understand business and how people think, um, how people buy, um, and how to fulfill, you know, what your deliverables are, um, is critical to being, being successful at freelancing. Um, so for me, that was one of the stumbling blocks that I had, you know, I, I, I went through that whole dot-com explosion thing and, and implosion thing, right? Like in the <laughs> early two thousands. Yep. Um, and you know, at that time I, 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 got laid off. I was working for a consultant firm that exploded in the startup growth and then collapsed at the same time. Um, and I was a part of that and I was like, Hey, look, I could do this thing. Yeah. So I struck out on my own and I wasn't going to go find another job. Year and a half later, I wound up sitting back at an agency because, you know, of all those things that I mentioned at the business side of things I had to really learn about. Um, but, um, I've been, doing freelancing myself full-time now for eight years, um, built a sustainable business now. It's recurring. And all of that is due to really looking at my business, not from just like having to chase down that next project, right? But to be able to try to build recurring revenue, identify pain points of my customers, and really taking a look at all those bits of the business to be able to find those profit opportunities, right? And a lot of that is automation, like as, you know, as we will get into here, but um, automation, documentation, making sure that everything is taking less time than it did before. So you're, I think I remember your, your original focus is mostly on e-commerce, like WooCommerce businesses, right? Yeah, I mean, a good portion of my clients are WooCommerce, but some of them are nonprofits. It's basically anybody that's, uh, doing some sort of transaction online, whether they're sure. selling something or a membership site or a business coach or something like that. So. Okay. But then you, but more recently, like over the last year or two, you've switched into not only just helping with the web development work, but also some of the marketing or automation work too, right? Yes. Okay, yep, cool. 100%. Um, I think it's for a lot of people listening, for instance, who don't do anything uh, quote unquote marketing related for their clients at least. Um, 
did you have any, or I, I should, let me continue the thought. It might be a little intimidating. I know it was for me to kind of step out of my comfort zone and start doing uh, paid consultations with clients. I only ever got comfortable with it because I did it for myself first, which then made me more able, seeing those results for myself, made me more capable and able to do it for others. Um, did you have any resistance as a developer yourself in uh, transitioning to kind of expanding your skill set to include automation? I don't know. I think the only resistance that it was was proving that the automation was beneficial to clients. Um, so in other words, like I build custom KPI dashboards. That's what mm-hmm. I call them. Right? Yep. They're really just kind of spreadsheets and graphs and things like that based around whatever the thing is or the events that lead to that transaction for my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of, you know, that took a little while to structure out only because you really, really have to understand that buyer journey of that business. You have to dive deep into the business themselves to understand all the steps and the nuances, right? Um, to be able to, you know, essentially, if you're going to show a percentage or a number at the end of the day, um, you know, your clients want to see that number going up, not down, right? right? right so right. up and to uh, the right. Right. So um, to be able to really know and understand a business, that was, that was probably my only hurdle, I guess. But for me, that's always been something that I've always enjoyed doing anyway. So like, getting in, getting actually into the business model of your clients and learning right. more about just the technical work, right? Yeah, because for me, I've always been like I've always been of the mindset: let the business drive the technology, not the other way around. Sure. Yep. And so you know, and I I say that during the the sales consultations too. Like you know, look, I, you know, if I find that my skill set doesn't suit your business's needs, then I'm going to tell you right off the bat, um, and we're not going to work together, right? So. So for me to be able to dive deep into the, the business and th- and that's suited me well for building a recurring business model, mm-hmm. right? So, um, because, you know, you can't just slap code on a screen and put an automation in place or whatever um, and then have, you know, sometimes you have some immediate impact, but you're not going to see that and know if it's a good long-term immediate impact, right? So, and it might, I mean, it might, it's something that's naturally much more conducive to testing than say, right. Uh, adding a plugin to a WordPress install. Right. 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 <laughs> so, right. right. Um, I mean, objective wise, it's, it's clear, but it's, it's sometimes hard to know, have you achieved that objective? Because just doing, adding something, adding, you know, it's one thing to add a, add an about page, to a website and okay, I've added the about page, but it's a different one to know. Have I added this bit of automation that's actually making a positive impact in this business um, and knowing how to kind of track that sort of stuff. And Sure. I mean, it could be as simple as, you know, a piece of automation, like a shopping cart abandonment piece, right? or even just, you know, for repeat buying, right? Absolutely. Like repeat buying. You got to find out those, they, they have to buy first, right? Like, so there's got to be some life cycle to their buying journey, right? And I, I try to understand from a business perspective when that person first reaches out to you, that point of first contact, um, 
oftentimes, you know, and the studies show that a lot of the buying decision is already made before that first contact. Mm -hmm. But when they reach out to you from the time that they actually pay you, what's, what's that time period? Right. And then I try to figure out a way to shorten that time period through automation, through custom development, through psychology even. Yeah. So I'm going to assume a lot of that shortening, uh, uh, journey, I guess, of, of trying to figure out, well, this is the natural life cycle of somebody before they reach out to me. This tends to happen prior to, you know, somebody becoming a, a client of mine. Where does, you mentioned psychology briefly, where does uh, specifically, I'm interested because, you know, I, I geek out on this. I have a business now massively involved in this, mm-hmm. but personalization, I know that's something that you've been doing successfully, not only for your clients, but also for yourself. How have you leveraged, uh, specifically, how have you leveraged personalization uh, within your own consulting business? Sure. Consultant-wise, it, it really came to the point at which it was really when I got engaged with my wife because I looked at my business and a lot of it was project-based. Right, There was no recurring base business. Um, and from a customer custom development perspective, I was like, how can I build recurring-based without, you know really essentially being an employee, mm-hmm. right? So when we got engaged, we were going on our honeymoon for three weeks. And I was like, well, what's the business going to look like at the end? When you come back. Right? <laughs> it wasn't even just when I came back, but it was going to be like, you know, a couple of months afterwards, right? Like, how does, how does that impact the business? And so I really started to reflect on the business and the clients that I had and really start analyzing who they were as people, like what did they need from me, Um, but also from a business perspective, what was I doing that could potentially be recurring in their business, right? So, you know, I was working with a lot of e-commerce companies um, at the time. It was probably 50-50 at that time. And this is kind of really where I niched down on that space was because I saw, okay, well, there's certain seasons of the various businesses that I worked with that they needed extra work, Um, so, you know, things like holiday, you know, Christmas time, Black Friday, that kind of stuff that that was always conducive for me to ramp up in like August and September to prep for those those periods of the year. Other things, too, that were event based around some of the nonprofits that I had. Right. So, you know, some of the nonprofits ran events during the summertime, so they would need me more during the you know, springtime. So things like that. I really started looking at it. And then I just. You know, and you know, this kind of goes against the whole automation thing, but it leads into how I figured out what I needed to do from my business was to just have conversations with them. I I asked, look, I have, you know, can we just have a 10 minute chat? I want to understand a little bit more about what you're looking for from me, what you like about working with me, um, and what can I do better at, right? And those conversations allowed me to identify pain points that they had in their business um, that I could solve, right? So just to be able to know that they were looking for more regular communications, which is just a scheduled phone call, weekly phone call, which I, I was I was happy to do if they were willing to pay for it, <laughs> right? So, um, so I just started to do some of those things. And a lot of it was more business-oriented. It wasn't necessarily... Um, the development was there and then they were happy with, but it was more of the business stuff that 
I could control or I could charge more for or something like that, where I was like, okay, these are the pain points that they had. Um, and they're willing to pay for these pain points to be solved. So then I started thinking, okay, well, and this, again, this was, you know, back in 2014, 2015. Um, so then I started surveying my list, um, you know, my leads and things like that to try to really start figuring out what their, who they were and what they wanted. Right. Right. And so, you know, that just kind of grew. For your own, how do you survey? Did you just email them? Do you have conversations with them or did you do like an actual survey form? The, the list was more email with triggers. Got it. Okay. So sure. I, I basically just kind of, I distilled what I got out of the client calls um, to, you know, a set of like five things. Right. And then I would just set up trigger links and start categorizing in that way. Right. Okay. What did you learn, I guess, by doing that? I learned one, my, the problem that I could solve and solve profitably, right. Two, the things that people were willing to pay for that, I didn't think of before, right? So like I was saying, like the weekly calls, um, I email regularly and I've always done that in my business. I always try to over-communicate with clients. Um, but realizing that email may not be the best form for them or some, they want that touch point of call, right? So I said, all right, um, let me put a couple of levels of, of, services for people. I'm interested. So you actually, so it's not just you mar- altered your marketing, but you actually changed your product offering or your yes. service offering based off that. Okay. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I, the, the, my business now is all based off of those, those conversations um, as well as, you know, getting the data back from leads and things like that, what they were looking for. Um, and based around that data that I was getting, I was able to also figure out who I could serve better, right? So like at that time, I wasn't working with membership sites or coaches or that kind of stuff. I was more along the lines of working with agencies, um, you know, the, working with their overflow work or, you know, okay. e-commerce companies, maybe digital download stuff. Um, so it, and the data kind of pushed me in those other directions, and I was like, okay, I can serve these other people better. Um, and I took what I learned and w- the processes that I did um, to help them grow their business too, right? So to figure out what their customers' pain points are, why are they buying from you? Why are they not buying from you? Um, what so the lessons you, you learned in, in doing the surveying, you were able to effectively upsell to your right. clients. Yep. Yeah. What, um, so... It sounds like the serving was really helpful in helping you figure out kind of macro trends and what opportunities you should be or focused on and so on. When did you start doing, when did you start applying that data on an individual level? Pretty much once I got that survey back from the leads, then I started just essentially tailoring the content in the, in the emails to that those value points, those data points. So if I knew that um, folks were looking for more communication or, or they were looking for, you know, a dashboard, you know, visual data, um, that's those features. When I talked about those, that they were highlighted more. You kind of throw that at them. Yeah. 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 Right. 
Um, what uh, did you see any sort of measurable effect with that? I mean, and if so, what kind of difference did it have at least with, because I imagine the, 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 what was the thing you were, you wanted them to what book a consultation with you or. I mean, really what I wanted to do was build recurring revenue in my business. So I wanted to get off the project side. Right. But I mean, at that point, okay. So, but what were you, you know, the, the emails that they would get that would be more focused on the segmentation that you put them in. Sure. What was the, what was the end goal for these people? That you were that, to get them for. to fill out a project brief. Okay, so to fill out a project brief, mm-hmm. what um were you able to do any sort of uh what what effect did that have in actually getting more people filling out the form? Uh, well, to get people to fill out the form, I got more inquiries, um, which you would expect because I wasn't really pushing that hard, so to speak, in my you know previous, um, but the quality of the leads that were coming through were. Much greater. Now, now, do you know why that is? Did you? I, I think it was because I was speaking to what they what they wanted, right? Right. So, you know, what I always do is when I get a client, when I land a client, the first interaction that we have during the kickoff call is I ask, "What made you sign up with me?" And a lot of them tell me exactly the reason why. And once I started doing that, you know, targeted marketing to them, um, those, those things started resonating in that first call, right? Okay. So they started to say like, look, you know, the fact that you are communicating to me weekly or you're building me this custom dashboard, you're taking consideration all the steps of my buyer journey, whatever that data point was, that's what I kept hearing more and more. Where okay. before it was more like, hey, we had a uh, you know, great personality mesh or something like that. <laughs> right. And was all the personalization over email or did you do anything like did the form change at all if they were a certain type of person or? Yeah, the form changed based on their intent. And it was more, it was an assumption initially from my my brain, right? To say like, if somebody is looking for a custom dashboard to see what's going on, I thought more along the lines that they were looking for help with their marketing. Um, Whereas if somebody was looking for custom features, they were looking more towards the development side of things. So I tailored my form to ask certain questions based on that intent. Got it. And the thing I'm always kind of curious about when it comes to, I, I love that you're using trigger links to allow people to effectively self-segment into different groups. And then um, you're communicating with these different groups differently and you're doing some uh, changes in, in terms of what you want people to do based off that. Has this given you any insight into, for instance, when it comes to, I don't know, focusing your, your acquisition efforts? Has this given you any because I think what a lot of people end up doing, which makes sense, is when they don't do this kind of segmentation, they just look at overall statistics like um, how many people who join my list end up filling out that form, the project brief. Mm-hmm. And then they'll have a, a standard kind of conversion rate. And that's going to be the thing that they look at. But they, they don't always break that down by the different segments that they're grouping people into, right? Mm-hmm. So has this given you any indication of kind of who are the segments or the types of people or the types of businesses, I should say, that you should be more focused on 
acquiring? Is this kind of giving you more than just obviously the increased in increased conversion rates, but also, you know, we talked about how segmentation helped you better refine your offering because it let you see gaps. Um, it's now increasing the amount of people who convert into your offering. But on top of that, um, has it given you any insights into when it comes to like your own marketing, who you should be focused on attracting based off of who converts best, who's most profitable and so on? Yeah, definitely. And like I was saying before is I don't have any agencies now that I work with. Okay. So that came probably, that came largely as a result of doing a lot of this. Yes. So, you know, before I would say about a third of my client clients were agencies and I've moved away from that more towards, I never had a client that was a coach before. And now I have two, I have clients that sell courses online that I didn't have before. Uh So the reason why is because, and I guess to really answer your question is, is that I'm, I'm now putting out more content that attracts email marketing needs um, or wants, desires, whatever it is, uh, because that is a big part of those businesses and they're profitable um, and they know the value of the services that I can provide more so, not that agencies couldn't, but agencies were more focused in on their bottom line, not yes. necessarily their client's bottom line. So. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I've been able to really see from my own, I think probably when, I mean, people talk about knowing your customers and speaking with them and so on. Um, and I think that's all good and well, and it's something everyone should do, but I like comparing, I like, uh, overlaying kind of that qualitative data with the quantitative data that comes from this sort of segmentation. And, and like you were saying, like, as you, you know, you've, you've seen firsthand two things. Agencies might not, for instance, be as good of customers from you or for you quantitatively, but also as you discovered more into kind of, you know, obvious things like their business model and kind of their focuses and so on, that that's more of a, I don't know if a qualitative is the right word here, but that's a different kind of facet as to why they might not be your ideal customers. And it's a lot, it sounds like what it's done is it's allowed you to kind of over time kind of shift the direction of the business um, based off of the data you're getting rather than just assumption or a hunch or something like that. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know for a fact that if I hadn't kind of, you know, quote unquote surveyed the land, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Right. I'd probably be, you know, chasing that next project still. Yes. Has this directly impacted your efforts when it comes to acquisition in any way? Like, have you changed maybe sites you guest post on or podcasts you go on or, you know, anything like that as a result of what you've learned uh, doing this? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, for, especially in regards to like feast and things like that, helping other freelancers out um, to know what their intent are. Um, I, you know, I've changed on-site headlines, things like that uh, calls to actions based around if I know what they do, what, what their intent is. Um, you know, like you said, podcasts, right? So there I've, when I have a call to action on the podcast 
and they opt into my free email course, I know where they came from based on the referral of that link. Right. So the content that they come back with would, you know, like, Hey, Brennan and I had a great conversation. Right. And then, and then the rest of it. So that also allows for that flexibility and that customability, more personal touch to say it rather than just saying like, I had a great time on that podcast. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. So what's next? I mean, what's next for you when it comes to kind of pushing this even further to the limit? Yeah. I mean, for me, like I, I've done a ton of work on client stuff, um, personalizing their sites, personalizing their email flows, um, optimizing their profits in their business. Um, and I want to do the same, more of that for my own business, um, to be able to hold, you know, live Q and A's, not just for freelancers, but for my leads, right. To give them the opportunity to ask me questions, kind of like an open forum kind of thing. Um, and then pipe that back in through my subscriber list, maybe to send out resources that, mm. you know, links and things like that based off of the questions that they asked me. Right. Um, and knowing that they've asked me these certain questions, I, you know, built out in the automation, I know that I can send these other resources, whether they're mine or somebody else's, become a better, I don't want to say salesperson, but that's really what it is. Right? Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I'm, <laughs> I've, I've tried all sorts of and reverse engineered all sorts of sales techniques, so to speak, like the Jeff Walker technique and all that other stuff. Funnel and, hacking. <laughs> yeah. Just like all of that stuff. And what, what I've always felt is for one, I'm not that kind of person, right? Like I'm not that, Hey, I'm going to throw myself out into the world for two weeks and be all like everywhere and all that stuff. And then go down for a couple of months. Right? Like I just, it's not my thing. Sure. I'd much rather understand you and have you buy when you're ready to buy. Right. So have all those data points in place so that when you're ready to buy, it triggers it off, right? Yep. And I want to do more of that for my business. It's more, I mean, I think the official term for that is more life cycle based marketing or sales, I guess, where it's not broadcast, it's more individualized, which is another, I think, benefit of the kind of that, this highly personalized approach that you have is that it's not, it's not on your timeline when you're necessarily promoting something or getting somebody to do something you're looking to see when when it makes sense based off of data and then you're acting accordingly yeah i mean you know like for example one of my clients they are a i guess for lack of a better term they're a, a text-based sms-based broadcasting system okay um, and they have an enormous list from all over the country and all this, but what they service is, is like property managers, um, you know, churches, schools, that kind of stuff. And when there's like a weather alert in Florida, let's say for a hurricane or something like that, they want to be able to broadcast out to their customers and leads to say, Hey, look, you know, you might want to send out an alert about this sure. stuff. Yep. Um, so I've set up automations based around that, knowing that their, their subscriber data, they're in these states. Um, if there's a weather alert for this state in the next 12 hours or 24 hours, 
trigger off this automation, right? And they don't have to think about that. It just happens now. So, and they've gotten more and more customers out of that because mm-hmm. these property managers or, you know, schools, right? They get this lead that, and they're front of mind with these just subscribers. They haven't right. been customers yet. They say, hey, they jumped out. How did they, you know, and they've gotten more sales because of it. So I want to do a little bit more of that kind of human, you know, for lack of a better term, human selling, right? Like there's a need there. We are here to solve your problem. This is all you have to do. Yep. Yep. Which, I mean, which makes perfect sense. Cool. I mean, this has been, this has been great. I love just any discussion that I get to have with anyone. And obviously, you know, I've talked a bunch outside of the recording uh, studio. Not that I'm in a studio, but um, <laughs> you know, anytime I get to talk to, with somebody who's actually seeing, who takes a, this kind of this data-driven approach to sales and marketing, um, it's always so rewarding. I think just because it, it, it like I was saying in a in an earlier uh, interview that I did, no one ever wants to go back once you started doing this, right? Because you start to see what effect it's having. You start to see the shortcomings of that kind of broadcast one size fits all approach. And you start to realize why actually investing the time to do doing things like this is just so worthwhile. Um, so Jason, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, really appreciate it. And uh, I always forget the amount of Z's in your domain. So why don't you <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank God for autocomplete. <laughs> right. No, it's three Z's. Yes. It's okay. three Z's. R E Z Z Z dot com. Okay. Yes. And um, on I think it's the same on Twitter, right? Yes. Perfect. It's cool. the same just about everywhere other than Instagram. Okay. And that's it. <laughs> Some squatter got you on Instagram. Yes. Yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again for coming on the show and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks again, Brennan. This wraps up today's episode from season two of the WR Freelancing Podcast. And again, in this season, we are full in, full focused on automation. So, I know for a lot of, especially individual freelancers, the idea of automation just seems insane. Like, why would you do that? It's just me. It's just, you know, little me doing client work. Why do I even need to think about automation? Well, if we've done our job right throughout this season, you've heard stories and examples and really in-depth case studies from people who are like you and using automation to power core parts of their businesses. So I would highly encourage you if you're not doing any sort of automation yet, well, there's no better time than now. And you're going to want to go to wfreelancing.com slash drip and get an account with drip. And it's free. You know, that you can sign up right now for, for nothing. Now they're going to charge you after your first hundred leads, but think about it this way for you as a consulting business, a hundred leads is a lot right? Um, I mean, that's a good amount of people. You're not asking them to buy a $10 ebook. You're asking them to hire you for lots of money. So, you know, if you were selling to hundreds of thousands of people, a very cheap product, and you hope that 0.1% of them will turn into a customer, well, that might be a little prohibitive. But if you're selling consulting, which if you're listening to this podcast, you most likely are, then 100 leads is a good amount. And then you're going to get Drip for $49 for your next 2,400 leads on top of that, which for most consulting businesses in my agency back when I had it, we never had anything close to that. So 
it's a very worthwhile investment, especially once you start to do things like automating the way that you uh, qualify and schedule new clients and then onboard your, or I should say new project leads, and then onboard new clients, and then maybe follow up with past clients. You can ha- Drip can handle all of that once you get it up and running. It's just going to keep ticking and working on your behalf uh, forever. So again, wfreelancing.com slash drip, and we will see you for the next episode.